Welcome back to Pastor Life Podcast from Pinnacle Leadership Associates. I'm Rhonda Blevins, Pinnacle Associate and Pastor of Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida. And I'm David Brown, Pinnacle Associate and Founding Pastor of The Welcome Table in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Today on Pastor Life, we meet another real live pastor. So David, would you tell us just a little bit about our special guest today? Sure. Uh, our special guest for today is Matt Sturdivant, and he is the pastor at First Baptist Church in Lawrence, Kansas. I've gotten to know Matt because he and his congregation have been a part of the Reshaping Church Initiative, the partnership between Lilly and uh, Central Baptist Theological Seminary that Pinnacle has had a hand in leading, and I have gotten to coach Matt and his coordination team and his congregation as they have thought about these ideas of coming back after COVID and the things that they've learned over the past year and how that learning is going to propel them into the future. Well, great. I'm excited about it. Of course, we're continuing to track with Mark Tidsworth's book, Reshape. And today we're talking particularly about chapters seven and eight. And in these two chapters, um, well, the first one is about plotting our course, kind of making an action plan. The second chapter is more about aligning our structures, you know, for maximum effectiveness in a post-COVID world. That's right. And through our work at Pinnacle, especially with this reshape idea, we're hearing about churches who are realigning staff job descriptions and lay leadership structures. The churches in this reshape program are mapping out a plan for the next few months of how they're going to engage what they've learned. In fact, you know, Matt's church They hired some folks in the midst of COVID. They reimagined their staff job descriptions. So I think he'll have some really specific things to to add to this conversation in terms of plotting their course, the specific ways they want to engage in this conversation, and then bringing their structure and their staffing in line with where the Spirit is leading them. Yeah, I think Kathy Pickett in our last episode mentioned that she had led her church through the process and they shifted their lay leadership team maybe from a deacon body to, I think she called it a guidance team. Do I have that right? I heard her use that language in the interview. It's the first time, you know, we've both known Kathy for a while, but it's the first time I've heard her talk about that. And it's the first time I think I've ever heard of a congregation using the term guidance team. I really like that terminology. It'd actually be interesting to hear more about that from Kathy. Yeah, yeah, it would. Well, listen, I look forward to hearing your interview with Matt and learning from him as he leads his church through these strange and exciting days in the church. So, David, as we're making our way through Reshape by Mark Tidsworth, um, the previous episodes this season have been about churches and their discernment process. You know, what are we going to look like in a post-COVID world and how do we move that way? And today, it seems to me that we're shifting more to action. So we've been discerning. Now we're shifting to action. What have we learned? Now what must we do and kind of who's going to do it? And since you're a reshape coach, I want to ask you, what are your observations with the churches that you're coaching? I mean, are they ready to act? Are they ready to move into this adaptive change after working this whole process? Well, I would say yes and no. I I think it's very specific to the churches 
And even among the churches who have been a part of the reshape process, some of them have been more engaged and have had different levels of engagement within the congregation. And I would say all of them have had a certain amount of challenge in having this conversation at this time. There was one congregation who has been very committed, very intentional, really almost intense in the way they have engaged with the process. But one of the things that occurred to them and occurred in our conversations together was they weren't sure that they had their feet under them enough to begin to take the next step. They had done a lot of talking and praying and moved through the small groups of the reshape process together. And there was a strong commitment of wanting to move forward and to adapt and to learn from the past year and a half worth of experience. The challenge, I think, for them was we're not sure exactly where we even are. And so then how do we look forward to where we ought to be going? Well, that makes a lot of sense to me because I still feel like at my church, for instance, we're still figuring out, you know, who's still with us. Um, I, as a pastor, have, you know, a lot of phone calls to make in the next two to three weeks, uh, just calling to say, hey, we're, you know, are you still, you know, are you still with us? <laughs> right. We miss you. You know, we, we haven't forgotten about you. Have you forgotten about us? Is that some of what your churches are dealing with as they try to move to the next phase and, and move through the adaptive change process? I, I am seeing that in some of the other churches. I'm also feeling that in some of the same ways that you are, hmm. Rhonda. And I wonder whether it's going to be on into the fall before we have some good answers to those questions about who is who is reconnecting with church right now or maybe will be in the next few months and who has sort of found some other pathway, either moved on to some other congregation or maybe has taken the opportunity over the last year to realize that church really wasn't adding that much value to their life. And so right. I think there's there's both a weariness in that, there's an uncertainty in that. I think there's almost a little bit of a anxiety or guilt for pastors in that too. Have, you know, have we done all the things that we should have done oh. to keep people connected? Could I have done more? <laughs> Pastoral guilt, the gift that keeps on giving, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. With these churches that are in the reshape initiative, they are really making the turn that you mentioned about moving from discernment to action. And so it's a great time, I think, for us to be doing this episode because three of the four churches that I'm working with have finished the small group portion of Reshape. Their coordination teams have gathered all the input from the small groups, and they either have already fashioned or they are in the, the midst of fashioning a ministry plan that is sort of a working document, some pathways that they want to explore moving forward through the rest of the of the calendar year. So we really are at that good spot between discernment, small groups, praying and thinking together, collecting the information and data and the things that are bubbling up, and then trying to turn that into something that's useful and actionable going forward. 
Yeah, you mentioned a minute ago there's there's a level of weariness uh, that some pastors are feeling and have felt over this past year. You and I were in conversation with someone really connected in with lots of pastors this past week who mentioned that he's witnessing lots of pastors leaving the ministry right now. Um, it's just been really intense. And so, you know, I've, I feel a certain level of weariness, maybe more than others and less than some, I, I don't know, just a certain level. And when I think about the work that it takes to lead adaptive change and some of the conversations we've been having, I, I kind of start feeling that heavy sense of, oh my goodness, that's so much work. Is it as cumbersome? Is it as such a challenging, as challenging a process as maybe I'm making it out to be in my brain, which is a very scary place? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure how to answer that, but I will talk a little bit from the experience with these churches that I've been coaching along the way. And a couple of them have been approaching the reshape process from a very pastor-centric place where the pastors have taken a very active and maybe the leading role in shaping the conversation, leading the conversation, being the hub of the wheel, you know, as it's as it's happening. And then there have been two congregations where the coordination team has really taken the lead. And the pastor okay. has certainly been a part of the conversations and has certainly been a messenger from the pulpit and otherwise with the reshape process. But I would say with those two churches where the coordination team has been the primary uh, driver of the process, that has led to more congregation members being a part of the process, being a part of the small groups, being a part of the discernment. And I think overall, that shared work, I think, is going to pay off for those communities and maybe take less of a toll from a mental, emotional standpoint on the pastor or on any one person. So I think sharing okay. the work is really something we've got to talk about as we come out of COVID. Right. Right. Well, thanks for that good word. And I think there's also something to be said about the timing. Some churches are more ready to engage a process like this than other churches. And maybe, you know, maybe the fall or maybe the beginning of next year would be a better time. Um, I'm kind of looking at maybe the beginning of, of next year for my church to enter the process. So, you know, Kairos moment, right? Uh, we got we to gotta respond when the timing is right. I think that's exactly true. And maybe figuring out when it is that the solid ground is up under our feet again. You know, maybe just the the that very first step onto the solid ground is the the perfect timing. Every congregation, every pastor's probably got to figure that out for themselves. And th that's really why I think it's important for us and and probably one of the reasons that we have relied on interviews during this second part of the season to really get some stories, boots on the ground, people who are engaging these ideas and working them out in their church and their community and their context and figuring out what that timing looks like for them. And that's why I'm really excited to hear from Matt and to learn about what's going on at First Baptist Lawrence and how he is feeling about the ways that they are plotting their course and bringing their structure into alignment with what they're learning. Well, great. So with that, let's welcome Matt Sturdivant. So we've got 
With us today on the podcast, Matt Sturdivant from First Baptist Church in Lawrence, Kansas. Matt, we're really glad to have you as a part of this. We have been excited to talk to pastors all along the way as we've dived a little deeper into the reshape ideas and the process that different churches are using. Matt, why don't you maybe just start by telling us a little bit about yourself, your congregation, context where you live and serve. Sure. All right. Well, uh, thank you, David, for having me on. It's a uh... It's an honor to be a, a part uh, today and to tell a little bit uh, of my story. Uh, yeah, so I have been a senior pastor at the First Baptist Church in Lawrence for a little bit, uh, well, going on 12 years. So this fall, it'll be 12 years. And uh, it is an American Baptist congregation, 166 uh, years old this month. Uh, and so we have a, a historic uh congregation there in kind of the university uh, community. So some of your listeners may not know that the University of Kansas is uh, in Lawrence. And so it's absolutely a, a college town. And uh, we're proud of our Jayhawks as well as uh, Haskell University, which is uh, also in town. And so uh, that that kind of uh, colors the, the way that, that we do ministry, uh, very much a uh, a town that is used to, to folks coming and going, and we, we name ourselves as an ascending church in that way, uh, instead of uh, continually grieving, oh, there's another college student that leaves or another uh, professor that moves to a, a new uh, position, uh, say, it's just part of our, our gig, is uh, that we will send them to the next place and the next task and the next uh, phase of their ministry. Uh, and so that has been a a significant part of, uh, of how we do and, and have always done. You know, you, you go back and look at the church history and, you know, Lawrence was kind of a stopping off point for folks headed uh, headed west. And, and so uh, this is a very much part of who, who we've been uh, for a long time. So, yeah, it's a, it's a sending church. It's a church that, uh, that sees a important role in serving uh, one another and uh, serving our community. And so it's a, it's a fun place to be. Uh, I'm looking forward to another 12 or more years uh, down the road. That's great. That's great. I love that language and that identity as ascending church. Uh, yeah, yeah. Having been in campus ministry and having served at a church that was also in a college town, you know, a smaller college town, but still a town that takes a lot of its identity from from the college campus. Sure. You know, that idea of knowing that your leadership in a campus ministry group or even in a in a church may turn over a little faster and you're really developing leaders and then you're often sending them on to be a blessing to some other church in some other town to do God's work somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's great to have churches like that. Uh, sure. Part of the bigger ecosystem. So sure. how have your folks adapted over the last 12, 14, 16 months during COVID? And uh, what have you noticed? Are there some highlights are there some particular ways that people have been open to new things in the midst of this disruption? Uh, sure. Yeah, it has. Uh, it's been a ride uh, like it has for all of us. Uh, you know, we, we just had a meeting last night with our, our tech team. Uh, so this is a, a crew that from day one, you know, all volunteers, maybe a couple staff uh, folks on it, but everybody else. Uh, who's kind of the, the vestiges of our old tech team, right? So we used to, back in the day, we used to uh, record services and, and send them off to the, the, the cable uh, station in town. Right. So we had the, the hardware for it and, uh, and you know, sound crew and those folks. And so we had these vestiges of a, kind of a tech crew. Uh, and then uh, as soon as the uh, pandemic hit and uh, we had to kind of recreate kind of a new idea of, of what the tech crew was, 
uh, they just jumped in and, and more folks jumped on too. other folks said, how can I help? Uh, you know, uh, kind of a, a generational uh, group that was added by another generation. Right. So uh, we had some more uh, millennial folks that, uh, that jumped on board to say, hey, this is this is second nature to me. Sure, I can uh, I can help record and uh, live stream. Uh, with an iPad. I mean, this is uh, normal stuff. So yeah, we, we talked about that some last night, kind of uh, replaying our history over the last 12 to 14 months. And, and uh, a couple of us laughed that, you know, five years ago, we said, you know, it'd be really, really good to try sometime as a live stream. Uh, right. <laughs> we, don't, we don't know how to do it. We don't know how to start it. We'll do a little research, right? And then it just, it, it's one of those ideas that just spins and spins and spins. Uh, we, we realized some of the stuff that we'd need, right? We'd need a, a full buy-in for the whole congregation. We'd need a, a new new technology. We'd need a faster internet. And uh, those were all things that we said, well, that'd be nice, but we're not going to get that anytime soon. Uh, lo and behold, here comes the pandemic. And, and instead of it being a, a reason for us to say, uh, what was us? It's been an opportunity to say, okay, here's a, an opportunity for growth. Here's an opportunity to, to do, and that's that's one piece of of uh, ministry, right? Worship is is a piece of it, but but that team and other folks have been able to to make it possible for us to continue doing uh, some some pretty uh, meaningful worship, I think. And, and I say that because folks have told me that they you know are consistently thanking uh, uh, that that team and, and other folks who have uh, made it possible, you know. So so our uh, chancel choir director became uh, a cantor instead and, and began leading worship on the uh, the live stream. Our 8.30 instrumentalists, we had 8.30 service and a, a 10.45 service, and we put those into to one live stream at this point, and they've uh, learned to, to figure out how to take turns and do it together, and, uh, and that has been meaningful. And, and folks who have felt comfortable have uh, showed up and done uh, uh, special music, including folks in uh, other states who have moved away and said, oh, yeah, I'll record a thing. And so it, it really has be- become... Uh, kind of a, a new way to do uh, worship, and it's been fun to do that. So, so yeah, worship has been a piece of that. Uh, Sunday school, oh my goodness. The first week of the pandemic, our senior adult Sunday school class said, all right, looks like we're going to Zoom. And they were on it in a heartbeat. They were the first ones uh, to, to adapt. And they added a class, actually. So so they did the Sunday morning thing, and then they said, well, let's meet again on Wednesday nights because, you know, our Wednesday night stuff was, was out the door. And so they said, well, we'll just do our own Zoom on Wednesday nights. And so they, they adapted and, and added and have grown. They've grown during the pandemic because a lot of folks that, that uh, for whatever reason, couldn't make it into the building have been able to, to jump on, on Zoom. So, so yeah, just some, some really creative folks. Our, our spiritual leadership team has been amazing to say, all right, how do we, how do we make sure we don't lose folks through the cracks? How do we make sure we, we continue to, to, to think about, you know, uh, safety and risk management and, and, you know, even the process of moving back into in-person worship was one that, you know, we, we took a long time and, and said, are we ready now? Uh, not quite yet. Well, how about now? Okay, not quite yet. And listening to what the county health department has said and, and all, they've, they've been very wise and, and, and discerning and thankful to have a, a crew like that to work with. Yeah, that's great. And I, I remember you saying some too about, how your mission engagement pieces of your your ministry had to to change and adapt, but you also did that as well. You were able to kind of keep up mission commitments and you know some of the things that you all were actively involved in in the community with some changes and tweaks for the COVID time. Sure, sure, yeah. So uh, uh, we've got two or three local uh, service community ministry uh, organizations that we work with. One of them is a, a Family Promise, uh, some communities known as Interfaith Hospitality Network, and that has. Uh, that has, you know, citywide had to have some significant changes because the, the method is to, to bring 
guests into the building, which is the, the one thing that we couldn't do. And so uh, we've been able to work with Family Promise and, and find ways to, to host those folks in other ways and other places. And uh, you know, church members making casseroles and taking them to folks and doing that work. Uh, kind of same situation for our, our soup kitchen, what we call Link, our uh, interdenominational uh, nutrition kitchen. And uh, and that that has had to shift too, right? And uh, instead of everybody, you know, kind of bringing their own thing and, and potluck, it's it's become more of a uh, how do we create a you know a lunch to go, right? And, and that gives a, a folks who are, are coming and hungry and, and looking for something just to, something to, to come in, grab something, and and, and go. Uh, well, in our uh, our food pantry. Uh, so we've uh, we've long had a food pantry that where folks come into the building and kind of look through the shelves and say what what can I take what do I need of course none of that's possible right during um, during a pandemic and so uh, more or less that we uh, our food pantry folks said well we're not using the narthex anymore so we might as well turn it into a food pantry and so they just lined the whole narthex with tables and tables and tables of food and then they would put together boxes for folks. Thankfully, there's uh, uh, some organizations that have helped with more fresh stuff and uh, uh, some, some farm to family uh, uh, projects. And so we've been able to say, instead of just, here's your, here's a bag for you, it's like, you know, let's fill your trunk, right? And yeah. So, wow. Uh, so yeah, from, from Narthex to, to trunk, then we've been able to do that. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of really cool stuff going on with the, uh, that service ministry. Well, in this episode of the podcast, we're really covering two different topics in Mark's Reshape book, and it's plotting our course and aligning our structure. And as Rhonda and I were kind of talking through this, it seems like this part of the book or this part of the Reshape process is sort of the, the turning the corner from discernment and learning toward action. And I wonder if you would just talk as as a church that's been participating in the reshape process through the Lilly Grant with Central Seminary, what point are you all in in the process? And what's the process been like for you as a congregation so far? Uh, I'll start with the, the second response. It really has been a, a meaningful experience. I think it's the kind of thing that we probably would have muddled through some version of it ourselves, but this really brings intentionality and community and support and, uh, you know, a resource, you know, to, to take that book and, and say, okay, here's, here's how we can do this. Uh, and that's, that's just been invaluable to be able to say, okay, let's, let's not just muddle through this. Let's just be really intentional about it. And so, yeah, at the beginning of the year, we began with the, the process of collecting that data. And so we had small groups. The way we chose to do small groups is mostly uh, virtual. Uh, we had a, a couple of exceptions to that. But for the most part, we would meet together as a congregation on Sunday nights and then split into to Zoom rooms uh, and then just kind of uh, go through the, the material at that point. Uh, then we, we realized, hey, there's a couple different uh, uh, groups in the church that haven't been well represented on that Sunday night. So let's let's go get get them, right? Let's kind of bring their word in. One of them is the youth, and we we're able to do a, a socially distanced in-person thing with them and uh, uh, the young adult class, uh, Sunday school class. And so we were able to kind of say, okay, now here's all this big chunk of data. And so we uh, we sat together with the, the team, the implementation team, and, uh, or the coordinating team, excuse me, and started to, to, to say, okay, here's all these little points of data. How do we how do we turn them into a thing? And, you know, that was that was our first, you know, three and a half hour, four hour meeting uh, that uh, that we've seen in the last uh, uh, four or five weeks. 
And at that meeting, we were just, you know, we, we, we put it up on the, the screen and said, well, here's this one and here's this one and here's this one. And okay, that one and this one are, are similar. So let's, let's kind of tie them together. And so we kind of created some themes through that. And uh, so at that point in the process, we're able to say, all right, here's here's a, a report, right? And we got the we got the sign off on the whole coordinating team and said, all right, let's send this now to our uh, our council, what we call our um, our spiritual leadership team, and that group then uh, can kind of look at this report and say, you know, what do you see? And so we were able to take that that information, that report that the the coordinating team had put together, and and they then we had another three and a half uh, four hour meeting. Where uh, we call it a retreat because we, we added pizza. Uh, and so. Yeah, that sounds uh, they, like a they, retreat. Yeah, that's right. Right. Exactly. It's like uh, youth group days. And so, yeah, from that experience, and we just uh, pulled out the whiteboard and, and we uh, we went through the, the questions that uh, uh, the curriculum invite us, which were great to kind of point, you know, make it uh, kind of a, a more specific uh, point, uh, point A and point B and point C about how we move forward. Uh, and so uh, then from that, we said, OK, here's here's what we hear. Here's what we see from all of this data focused on this report uh, and kind of came up with uh, four or five really specific projects, uh, initiatives, I think is the, the word that Mark uses uh, to say these are the these are kind of our next steps, what we need to do uh, do next. Uh, and that's kind of where we are. So. Uh, la- after that meeting, uh, I just took a shot at a little bit of a um, a summary document to say, all right, uh, here's our four things. Uh, who's in charge? And so we kind of you know, put people in charge of these different things. And okay, well, how about this for the implementation for the first one? And how about this group for an implementation? And so, uh, so again, that's that's really where we are. Actually, my uh, my task list this afternoon is to send out those emails to say to tap a few folks on the shoulder and say. Uh, you're in the game. It's time to, to do some of this implementation, right? As we start moving toward kind of those those next steps. Yeah, it definitely seems like that shift from processing, learning, maybe grieving, uh, collecting information, identifying those things. It seems like you are at that point of making the turn toward the road ahead. And as I think back on some of our conversations, you were sort of doing this midstream in the COVID disruption, especially in terms of staffing. I remember one of our first conversations was really about how you were working to realign your job descriptions and the way you were using human resources. And I really think that fits into this idea of aligning our structure with the things that we say we're called to do or the things that we're adapting on the fly. So I wondered if you would talk a little bit about that in terms of aligning your structure might be about those job descriptions, might be about staffing, might be about something else uh, in in terms of bringing structure and systems into alignment with what you're learning. Sure. Yeah. So uh, as far as our our staffing goes, uh, when uh, kind of our last uh, task as a congregation right before the pandemic was to... uh, kind of uh, agree on a job description and send forth a search team to get a new associate pastor. Uh, and so we put the word out and we looked for resumes to come back in. And I think we had them do like March one, right? So you can imagine what happened to that, right? The, the whole thing shut down for, for a time. And, and so it was probably about kind of mid year uh, of, of 2020 
where we started to say, okay, um, you know, this isn't this isn't going to uh, be be over anytime soon. Let's uh, let's start looking at uh, how we move forward with that. And and of course, uh, <laughs> the aligning happens uh, kind of midstream there because yes, yes, we're looking for this this person, this position. We have these. Uh, names and uh, uh, resumes in, but is that still what we're looking for? Is that still right. our our, uh, our task? And are the people that we received resumes from now a fit for what what is a new reality for us? And uh, kind of went through that process, and the uh, search committee was great uh, to say, all right, well, you know, we have to reinvent the wheel. Let's do it. Uh, but we're able to find and kind of pick through and piece through and, and find a uh, uh, the right resumes and the right folks. And of course, we uh, figured out how to do largely uh, virtual interview process and largely uh, with, with some, some in-person things here and there. And uh, we're able to, to say, here's here's our candidate and, uh, and it's time to move forward. Meanwhile, as we were doing this, which was kind of the big piece, some of our, the rest of our aligning happened in uh, uh, smaller moves. And so we were able to say, what is well, what is this person's job description and how do we how do we kind of reassess if that's still a job description, right? And so the, the chancel choir director becomes a cantor and is able to uh, now be a live stream uh, uh, kind of coordinator of, of music ministry, right? Pulling together uh, special music in other ways. Uh, our two services kind of combine in, into one, and, and that becomes then a, uh, a way that we involve both our 830 pianist and our uh, 1045 organist in, into one service. Uh, and so though, those are kind of uh, some of the more kind of worship-centric things, but then really everybody's job description is, is uh, uh, in flux a little bit at that point, right? So usually at the end of the year, toward the end of the year, we, we have a goal-setting session kind of review. Uh, so we've set some goals at the beginning of the year. And then, so we set all these great goals for 2020. Right, so we just right. get together at the end of 2020 and just laugh for 10 minutes, right? Because uh, we didn't do any of that. But those became really helpful sessions to then say, okay, now – small moves, right? What do we need to do to tweak? What do we need to do to say, this is working, you know, let's do this a little bit differently. Uh, and that's some of the aligning that, that you're asking about, right? We were able to say, first of all, we were able to take our, uh, our social media coordinator, right? Our tech guru and recognize that, that her job description had doubled, if not tripled, right? It just blown up in terms of what, what her responsibility is. And so we, we named that, we blessed it and said, okay, are, are you are you in for this new gig? Because it's it is. So uh, with that change, uh, said okay, we're gonna we're gonna pay you at least a little bit closer to what you're working for, and change the uh, the title. I think that was important. I mean, sometimes titles are just uh, um, semantics, but I think it was helpful in this case because it said this is really what this person is doing now. Same with our uh, uh, what we used to call our office manager, right? Here's a uh, already probably a little bit outdated title, but especially now when no one's in the office. Uh, and so we're able to say, okay, here's our, our administrative manager, right? Here's this, this person. And again, it may just feel like semantics, but, um, you know, when, when somebody looks on the website and said, well, what, what office are they managing? They, they realize, okay, let's, let's, let's name what, what we're really doing here. And again, those are just kind of little things along the way, but kind of at the end of the year and in the beginning of uh, 2021, we were able to, uh, to do that. And had a lot of the congregations say, yeah, 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 that's, I'm glad we did that because it, uh, uh, really helped. Uh, again, kind of kind of tweak and, and align as we went. So uh, again, those are little things. I mean, it's not like we uh, we did a bylaws change or anything too significant, but uh, but those little things I think really helped folks see some of the shifts that were already being done. We just kind of named them and 
that time. Absolutely. And I would imagine that some of that adaptability, whether it moves forward with the changes that you made during COVID or whether it postures your congregation to be willing to be flexible in those ways moving forward. I think that's part of the learning of living through the pandemic is we've managed to shift and change and adapt so that our structure is aligned with our mission, which hasn't changed, but the context has changed incredibly. So do you see that sort of launching you into the next chapter of life and ministry together uh, in, in terms of finding alignment with your mission and with what you've learned in the weeks and the months to come? Yeah, yeah. Uh, help, that's a helpful question. Uh, and let, let me go back to uh, uh, the week after the pandemic kind of hit. And so back last March, we uh, we sat down together as a, a spiritual leadership team and said, what are we going to do now? And really what we, we did was uh, kind of go back to the beginning. Over the, over the last several years, uh, some of the language that the church, uh, church and I together developed uh, uh, is what we call our four W's. Uh, that we are a church that uh, welcomes, we're a church that worships, we're a church that works, and we're a church that wonders. Uh, and so they're, mm-hmm. they're kind of ways to name the, the basic purposes of the church, just kind of our uh, our language, our, our defining uh, factors. And what we've done is over the last you know decade, we've used these concepts, these ideas, as our guiding principles, right? So when it's time to do a capital campaign, pull out uh, we pull out the whiteboard again, and we put these four on a, a quadrant and say, okay, uh, what 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 do our values say we need to do next, right? Uh, and uh, you know we have a big significant uh, uh, a kind of congregational uh, question or a big congregational uh, project or something. Well, we pull out the the whiteboard and the quadrants and the four W's and we say, okay, uh, who are we and, and what do we do next? Uh, and so that night in March in 2020. Uh, we pulled out the whiteboard and we were all on Zoom and uh, uh, and we asked, okay, what about the four W's? Who are we now? And so it wasn't a matter of saying, well, we're going to be a, a, a different church now. It's a matter of saying, how are we going to be the same church in a new time? And so we did. We pulled out the, the quadrants and said, okay, how, how are we going to welcome? What does welcome look now? Uh, how are we going to care for each other? How are we going to care for uh, new folks? Uh, how are we going to worship? I mean, that was a big one, right? How are we going to worship in a way that we, we uh, are, were very disrupted in, in what was a, a normal worship pattern for us? How are we going to work? That's kind of how a lot of our uh, our service work and our, our mission work. And we were in the middle of uh, fundraising and planning for a, uh, a mission trip to, to Nicaragua at that point. And so we that was a big part of that, that March meeting to say, how can we? What, what does this look like? And uh, made the decision uh, to say it didn't feel safe for uh, us or for them uh, to make that, but we've raised some money. Let's, let's hand it over and, uh, and be able to do that. And that again came out of that that meeting. And then you know, how do we wonder what does what does Sunday school look like? What does children's ministry look like? What does youth ministry look like? And, uh, and so yeah, I think that maybe that's a kind of a, a what you're looking for in terms of how we we're not we're not a new thing, but we're the same thing we've been for 160 some years uh, in a, in a new day. Yeah, I think that's perfect. I mean, that really epitomizes, I think, what we're talking about here in terms of aligning our structure. It's really about the identity that we've always had, the work that God's always been up to. The circumstances have changed, and we need to bring 
our current structure into alignment with what God's calling us to do. So that, that was perfect. And I think that's a great kind of way to, to, to wrap this up. I, I love those four words and the fact that your congregation had those four words, those four W's embedded in their life a decade ago. And so it was just natural to bring them back out. That's probably a good word to all of us who are leading in congregations uh, about the importance of having those guiding principles that we come back to, regardless of what happens out there in the in the wider world. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you, you look at... Uh... Uh, some of the uh, work out there and, you know, uh, church consultants like Mark, right, they, they come and say, these are why things are important. And, and uh, we as church leaders roll our eyes sometimes and say, OK, so we need another mission statement. We need another X. We need another Y. But but that's where this stuff really makes a difference. Right. Because because we have done that work and said this is who we are now when nobody knows who anybody is, right? Everything is up in the air and fruit basket turnover, you know, spiritually and emotionally and, and physically. Then we say, okay, let's go back to those principles. Let's go back to who we've decided God has called us to, to be and God has made us to be. Well, I hope that all of us can do a little bit more of that as we learn from the year we've had and as we look forward to what life and ministry will will be like as we move forward. I'm really grateful, Matt, to have gotten to know you and to be a part of the reshape process at First Baptist Church in Lawrence. Um, thanks for being a part of the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the invitation. Well, that's it for this episode of Pastor Life from Pinnacle Leadership Associates. Be sure and check out our website at pinlead.com. That's P-I-N-N-L-E-A-D.com to learn more about Pinnacle, Pastor Life, or about how you can lead your church through the reshape process. And while you're there, sign up for our weekly e-news with relevant articles and other resources from our team, as well as information about upcoming webinars and coaching cohorts. I don't know how much Rhonda listened in on, but she'll... she'll I didn't. Good. Yeah. Good. Like the last sentence, maybe. Well, good. That was good timing then. <laughs> I, I popped in when Matt was talking about rolling your eyes at Mark Tidsworth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll make sure to leave that part in, right? <laughs> yeah, right.